Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. I have believed and wait that he is able to keep that against that day. Thank that it's in him and it's not in me. If it was in me, I'd... I'd, I'd be in a mess a long time ago, but because it's in him and it's all in him, I can rest. I can find rest and that rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me call our attention back to the book of Romans tonight. We're going to be in the book of Romans chapter number 11. We're going to be dealing with verse number 16 through verse number 24. Verse number 16 down through verse number 24. So we'll pick up in Romans chapter number 11, verse number 16, and begin reading there. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and, and thou... Being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I may be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, goodness and severity of God on them which fail, severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word corporately. We thank you for the privilege that you've given us to look into your word this evening. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate your word. I pray that you would magnify yourself. Help us to be careful to glean from your word what would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, I pray that you would do in our hearts that that only you can do, that you would speak to our hearts 
And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us corporately and yet speak to us individually. Lord, help us to gain from this this evening that would be pleasing to you as individuals and as collectively together. Lord, we ask you now that you would do that, that you would have to be done. And may your name be edified and glorified in this place. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. I want to deal with the subject tonight that I believe the Apostle Paul's trying to deal with, and that is guarding against spiritual pride. Guarding against spiritual pride. I, I think many times that many people have looked into this passage of Scripture and looked at this illustration and looked at it wrongly and walked away with different doctrines and different things from it that aren't there. Paul's using it for an illustration, and he's, that illustration is a guard against spiritual pride. In fact, spiritual pride is... Have. Uh, and we're going to deal with that as we go down through this scripture tonight. But years ago, Ironside was the uh, church there in Chicago. And while he was the pastor, there, he, and, and I told you this illustration one time before, but he uh, felt like he wasn't humble enough. He wasn't being humble before the people like he needed to be. So he asked one of his friends advice. He said, what can I do to humble myself before others? He said, well, you get what they called a sandwich board. You get the board that hangs in the front and back and, and put the gospel upon that and I'll wear that down in town Chicago and you go about telling people about the gospel and you tell them what Jesus Christ has done for them and, and that'll help you to be humble before others. And he did that. He followed that advice. He did that. He came home. He took the sandwich board off of his neck. He set the sandwich board over in the corner. And the first thought that crossed his mind is, I bet no one else was humble enough to do what I just did. Spiritual pride is an adversary that you and I have. Uh, there, many times, I heard, one, I heard one preacher make a statement one time. He's, he was preaching on Sunday morning. He said, if you'll come back tonight, he said, he said I'm going to preach a message tonight on my humility and how I obtained it. Uh, that's about our extent of humility. That's our extent of of our spiritual pride, and it's something that we need to guard against. In fact, spiritual pride is a sinister enemy that each one of us have, and we need to continually guard against it. When we think about spiritual pride, who do we think about? We think about the Pharisees that we find in the New Testament. In our text, Paul counters this problem with an illustration. And the illustration that he's dealing with is an illustration of an olive tree and its branches. He shows the Gentiles that they are not the root, but they are the branches. And while the branches, even, even more so than just being the branches, they are the branches of a wild olive tree. 
that God has cut off and he has grafted in. He begins to tell them that and he tells them that they were cut off from a wild olive tree and they were grafted into a cultured olive tree which is not only a cultured olive tree, but it is supported by the root. Three times in this chapter, Paul warns against, he directly warns the Gentiles against spiritual pride. He warns them in verse number 18. He warns them in verse number 20. And he also warns them, and we didn't read this tonight, but he also warns them in verse number 25. They were no better than the Jews, but they were grafted into the tree by God's grace alone. And that's what Paul was trying to get them to see. He's trying to get them to understand. And one of the things, one of the themes that we ought to have as the children of God is that you and I are saved by grace alone. And we're saved by Christ alone, by, through faith alone. And, and it's all to the glory of God alone. It's not for our glory, but it's for His glory. Thank God that we have those things in our life and we understand those things. He also encourages evangelism toward, He encourages the Gentiles to evangelize toward those that are the unbelieving Jews. He tells them that in verse number 23, but... In fact, God is moving toward that fact of saving Israel again and being reaching out to Israel in more in the end time. He's going to reach out to them again and there'll be a great multitude of Israel that will be born again. As we apply this to us and we apply this message this evening, the, the, the encouragement is that we apply this, that we guard against spiritual pride by remembering that salvation is by grace alone and so maintaining faith and fear before God. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. And because of that, we ought, to, we ought to allow God to so maintain that faith in our life and that walk of faith in our life and that walk of faith before God and before His kindness and His severity. For examples, if we were to... Uh, and, and one of the things I want to guard us against tonight is not doing like many people would do and getting bogged down in the details of Paul's illustration. Paul's illustrating something. He's not, he's not giving us a puzzle for us to pick apart and try to find out who's the root, who's the branches, who's this, who's that. Paul's giving us an illustration to guard against spiritual pride. And we're going to talk about this evening uh, who we believe that those things are, but we don't need to get bogged down in that. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we do that. We get bogged down in those those uh, minute details that really do not add anything to what the Scripture's trying to teach us and trying to give us. It's almost like somebody asking us the question. Why well, I can remember when I first got uh, when I, when God first called me to preach. I can remember I down across the table from a deacon at a church and, and that deacon, the first thing that he asked me as a young preacher, the first thing he said to me 
when I told him that I was called to preach, the first thing he said to me is, tell me, can God make a rock big enough that God cannot move? I wished I knew then what I knew now because I would have said, avoid foolish and unlearned questions for they do gender strife. What are you saying? I'm saying we, we get bogged down in those things that make no difference to our salvation when, the, when, when what God is trying to give us is give us a guiding scripture that we might live by. And part of what Paul's dealing with this evening as we look at this is that guarding against spiritual pride. Some of the authors of uh, some authors say that the olive tree represents Israel. And at first glance, that seems reasonable. But if the tree were Israel, or the, the tree were Israel, and the Gentiles' believers were grafted into the tree, then they become Jews. And that's not what Paul's talking about. Also, at some others at another point say that the wild olive branches were grafted into the cultivated tree it was reinvigorating to the old tree. But that would mean that the Gentile believers give new life to Israel and that's not what God's trying to tell us either. What I'm trying to say in all of that is we don't need to get bogged down. We need to look at the message that God has for us. And in looking at that, we understand that Paul is only talking in a, in a national term. It would imply that the Gentiles have now replaced Israel in God's program, which could result in anti-Semitic. And, and Paul was combating even that. But we need to be careful once again that we do not press the details. The olive tree represents, in the broadest sense, represents the people of God. And that's what it represents. And that's what Paul's trying to tell us. In the Old Testament era, it was Israel. And it was Israel made up of both believers and unbelievers. And now in this period of time that we're in, it's the church in the broadest sense made up of believers, but also some that profess to believe but are not true believers. That is the reason Paul's talking about some can be cut off. And, and we need to understand that because if we, once again, if we dug into the details, we would walk away thinking that people could lose their salvation. And that's not so. We, we know that Scripture will not contradict Scripture. And we know that once a person is born again, once they are regenerated, once they are saved, they cannot be placed into Christ and taken out of Christ and placed back in Adam. That's impossible. That can't happen. So as we look at this, Paul once again warns of those that would be cut off. God is able to graft the Jews back into the people of God if they do not continue in their unbelief. And he tells us that in verse number 23. But we need to stay focused. And in doing so, I want to give you three things tonight and some subpoints under those three things. But first of all, I want, to, I want us to consider this. I want us to consider guarding against spiritual pride by remembering that salvation 
is by grace alone. If we keep our focus on the fact that we're saved by grace alone, then we have no place to be lifted up in pride. If we understand that God came looking for us, that we didn't go looking for God, if we understand that it is God that chose us and it is not we that chose God, then there is no place for spiritual pride. Whether it be Jew or whether it be Gentile, whether it be Baptist, whether it be Lutheran, whether it be Presbyterian, whether it be non-denominational, whatever it may be, there is no place for spiritual pride when we recognize that we are saved by grace and by grace alone. And that grace is brought to us by God. We did not go looking for grace. Grace came looking for us. And it is the grace of God that God revealed himself to us. We did, it was not our searching that brought us the knowledge of the grace of God. It is God who opened His grace to us and revealed Himself to us that allowed us to have that salvation. So we need to guard against spiritual pride, remembering that salvation is by grace and by grace alone. Spiritual pride creeps in when we forget that salvation is by grace alone. When we get lifted up in spiritual pride, it is because we feel like we have accomplished something. And that is the reason that, that, that people become pharisaical about the things that they do. And yes, I emphasize that word do. I'm afraid sometimes if we're not careful, even those of us who are saved by the grace of God, if we're not careful, we look at what we do or what we don't do and we get lifted up in pride because we look at others who are doing what we're not doing and they're not doing what we're doing. And because of that, we get lifted up in pride. The problem is, most of the time when we get lifted up in pride, it is because we're looking at someone else that's not doing quite as good as we're doing. Is that not true? When in essence, to be honest with you, in essence, what we should hold ourselves up against is God. And if we do that, there remaineth no room for spiritual pride. I promise you, when you place yourself beside God, you will come away humbled. Because you and I understand, and we've talked about this, and Brother Ricky mentioned it two weeks ago on Wednesday night. It's been mentioned even here today. Even our righteousness is as filthy rags in the nostrils of God. The very best that I could do, the greatest that I could do in my life is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Therefore, I have nothing by which I can stand before God and hold myself up. The only thing that I can rest in this evening, Brother Charles, is I can rest in the fact that Jesus Christ 
is enough, has done enough, has done what God told him to do, has been obedient to God, and I can rest because I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What a blessing to know that I'm in him. So Paul is trying to warn us to guard against spiritual, uh, 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 spiritual pride by remembering that we're saved by grace and by grace alone. It is the grace of God that came to you and I. It is a grace of God that was revealed to us. It is God who turned on the light. You and I would still be walking in darkness had God not came by and flipped the light of His grace on in our life. And it's only God that could do that. I could sit and talk to someone till I'm blue in the face. I could talk to someone until I have no more breath left in me. And unless God reveals himself to them, what I say will not make a difference. But what God says will. God does want us talking to people. God does want us communicating the gospel to the lost. God does want us witnessing to people and telling them about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. God does want us to do that. But if God does not do the work, it will not be done. It does not matter what illustration I can come up with. It does not matter what story I can tell. It does not matter how hard I can tug on your heartstrings. What matters is that God turns on the light of His grace in your heart. It is not I. So we understand that we have no place for spiritual pride because it is all of God. God's grace toward Abraham was the basis of the Jews' privileged position as the chosen people of God. Even the Jews. If you want to look back at what Paul, what Paul is throwing back and forth here, if you wanted to look at the Jews and when they had their standings, their problem is they got lifted up in spiritual pride. Their problem is they thought they were somebody because they were God's chosen people. They felt like because God had chosen them. And by the way, why did God choose Israel? He chose Israel for an avenue for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and the gospel to be brought to every man, woman, boy, and girl. That was God's choosing for Israel. It was through Israel that Jesus Christ was born. It was, a, it was a Jewish virgin girl that brought forth the Lord Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ as He walked and as He took on the form of flesh, He took on the form of a Jewish person. He was given that body by His mother, but His Father was in heaven. understand that that is the only thing that made them special is God chose them in order to bring about His Son's birth and allow His Son to be born so that His Son could go to Calvary and purchase for every man, woman, boy, and girl the price of salvation. Understand, when He went to the cross of Calvary, He became the propitiation for all the world. But He only come, become the atonement for those who believe. Amen. There's a difference there. 
There's a difference in what, what, what God did. But understand that God's grace toward Abraham. And by the way, Abraham wasn't looking for God. Can I just be honest with you? <laughs> if we were, and, and we're not, but if we were looking for a, 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 another elder at Gospel Way Baptist Church, Abraham probably would not fit the bill. Look at his life. Look at what he did. And he countlessly over and over again went against those things. But yet God remained faithful to the promise that He made to Abraham. Not only to Abraham, but to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Of all the people we see in the Word of God, God made a covenant with Jacob. The great deceiver. God made a covenant. And God is a covenant-keeping God. That's right. Yes, sir. We are covenant-breaking people, but God is a covenant-keeping God. But understand that you and I have no place to have spiritual pride because it is by grace and grace alone. It is God who chose to show grace to Abraham. It is God who came to Abram and said, leave the, the, the city of Ur and go out to a country which I will show thee. And it is God. Can I just be honest with you? Abraham didn't just strike out because Abraham just had enough faith. God gave him the faith to believe. So it's all of God. It's all of God and we need to understand that. God promised to bless Abram and to make him a great nation so in him, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Later, he told Moses, uh, told the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because He would keep the oath which He had shown unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out of the mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It was God who did that. It was, it was not that Moses was great. It was that God did what God did. So we understand that there is no room for that spiritual pride for us to be lifted up in that spiritual pride. In other words, God did not love Israel and choose them because of something worthy in them. God chose them. He chose them and loved them for the sake of His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What a blessing to understand that God did what God did because God chose to do what God chose to do. You can't, you can't, you can't refute that. That's in Scripture. We find that, understand that not that, but understand God's grace toward the Gentiles is on the basis of receiving the blessing of salvation. 
God's blessings upon us, God's blessings upon what we're doing tonight is because of God's grace and salvation. God is not blessing Gospel Way Baptist Church because of a pastor. God is not blessing Gospel Way Baptist Church because of an elder. God is not blessing Gospel Way Baptist Church because of a deacon. God is not blessing Gospel Way Baptist Church because of the congregation. God is blessing Gospel Way Baptist Church because it is an avenue to get His Word to the people that are lost and undone without His grace. God is blessing because we're being obedient to what He said in His Word. God is blessing because He has shown forth His saving grace to a group of people that are willing to follow His commands and do what He says do. And in that, we have no place to be lifted up in pride. Understand that we not only need to guard against spiritual pride, because it's of grace alone. But understand, secondly tonight, guard against spiritual pride by maintaining our faith. We guard against spiritual pride by understanding that we are saved and we're saved by grace alone. But then he goes another step further and he tells us that we are to guard against spiritual pride by maintaining our faith. That almost sounds contrary. That almost sounds contrary to everything I've been saying, but stay with me. Paul is talking once again in the national terms to the Gentiles as a whole and telling them that they could be cut off from God's grace just like the Jews were. Why were the the Jews cut off? They were cut off because of their unbelief. Understand for a moment, why did... Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? God hardened Pharaoh's heart because Pharaoh first hardened Pharaoh's heart. And when Pharaoh hardened his heart, God compounded upon that and hardened his heart further. Those that are unbelieving and want to exist and dwell and stay in that unbelief, God will allow them to stay there. That's where they choose to be. They choose to not believe. They want to continue to walk in that and God does not shine His light of His grace in their life What is God? God said He's not always going to strive with man. God God does not have to come to us at all. But if God does come, He does not have to come back. If we turn God away and we reject God, the Jews rejected God, and for that reason God said, okay, in your rejection, I'm just going to let you walk your way. I'm going to let you do your own thing. Is that not what we see going on around us? That, that, that as far as a whole, as far as a nation, that our nation is choosing a direction to go and in that God is pulling off His common graces and saying if that's the way you want to walk, then walk that way. Yeah. Yeah. The children of Israel 
did the same thing. The children of Israel said, give us a king. We want a king like other nations. God wanted them and, and, and it was the purpose of God that they uh, would be a, 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 a theocracy, that they would be under God and God would rule them. God said, if the king's what you want, a king's what you'll get. They chose a man that was a head and shoulders above everybody else. They didn't inquire of God. God, what would you have us to have if they would have, if they would have, if they would have inquired of God of that? God would have said, I want you to be a theocracy. I want you to follow me. I want you to continue to follow me. But they chose not to follow him. They chose to follow their own way. And in doing so, the common graces of God was pulled away from them. We need to guard against spiritual pride by maintaining our faith, by continuing to walk in that light, in the light of that faith that Christ has given us, by abiding to his, uh, holding to his word, being obedient to his word, following what God says in his word. And in, in order for us to do that, we must understand His Word. And we're not going to understand His Word unless we walk through the Word of God systematically, just like we're doing. You're not going to walk away with the knowledge of God that you need to have from a Scripture by being here and being there and being here and being there. It's by walking through that Scripture and finding out what God has to say in His Word. Why did God say that? Who did God say that to? What was He telling us? What was He displaying to us? What was He giving us? What was He telling us? And by the way, everything that He's telling us is He's telling us the story of His redemptive work in His Son. That is the story. That's the reason all of Scripture fit together. Because it's one complete story from beginning to end. It's not parts and pieces. It's not something that's a puzzle that we got to put together. It's what God's telling us and giving us instruction of His story from beginning to end. Amen. So that you and I are understanding what He gives us from the Word of God. Amen. Faith in Christ and faith in Christ alone is what you and I need. Faith in Christ by the origin, by origin of its nature, the very faith in Christ by origin of its nature cripples our pride. If we're, if we're wholly depending on faith in Christ, then that's going to that's going to cripple any pride that you and I would ever have. Yeah. Understand this. So where does faith, or where does saving faith come from? Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight and verse number nine says this: For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith is not a wage. When it comes to standing before God, I do not want to earn a wage. Because the only wage that we can earn from God is the wages of sin is death. So then 
Death passed upon all men for that all hath sinned. I don't want to earn a wage from God. I want to be dependent on God. I want to depend on what God's done. I don't want to depend on what I've done. I don't want God to be gracious to me because I've done something to bring God's favor upon me. I don't want that because I will never be able to live up to what God requires for salvation. Right, I don't want a wage from God. As I've already said, the only wage you can earn from God is that wage of sin, which is death. Also, by its nature, faith excludes boasting. There's nothing I can boast of if I'm walking and maintaining faith in Christ. If if I am, if if my life and in my life I'm looking at things as faith in Christ and faith in the finished work of Christ, faith in what Christ has done, and I recognize in my life that Christ is enough. He's not only enough, he is the only thing that I need for salvation. He is enough. And in doing that, it's going to exclude my boasting. It's going to put away my pride. And that's what Paul was trying to get them to see in this scripture. After writing and refudiating the Judaizers of their boasting in their outward keeping of the law, Paul concluded in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 14, he said, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I glory in nothing but the cross. Paul said, I have nowhere to glory but in the cross. My glory is not in the cross. In fact, if we look at it that way and we understand it correctly, it's not our glory, it's His glory because of what He did on the cross of Calvary. Not only that, but we understand that we should guard against spiritual pride by maintaining fear before the God of kindness and severity. Isn't that what Paul told us? He said the the God of kindness and severity. God shows kindness and thank God that he does. But understand just on the other side of that coin, We see the kindness of God on one side of the coin, but we see the severity of God on the other side of the coin. We see that God saved us by grace, but we see on the other side of the coin, those who do not receive the Lord Jesus Christ, those who do not trust in Him for salvation, spend eternity in a devil's hell. They spend eternity there. We, we covered this on Wednesday nights in the, in the series of things we've been going through. Why do people go to hell? Why do they spend eternity in hell? Because they're trying to pay off a debt that will never be paid off. They can never do good enough to earn acceptance before the Father. That's the reason I'm so glad for the book of Ephesians. Why? Because it is in Christ that I was accepted. It is in Christ that I was made accepted. 
Thank God that I was not made accepted by myself because once again, I would fail miserably. I couldn't have got there to begin with. But even if by chance I could have attained, I could have not have maintained. Even if it were, and it is not, it's not even close. There's not anyone, no one ever alive that could have ever lived that could have done enough to get saved. No one. There's not anyone that could have been good enough to be saved. No one. It all had to be in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. There is no other place that we could be saved outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guard against spiritual pride by maintaining fear before God, the God of kindness and severity. We should fear because spiritual pride is a constant insidious danger. It's something that is constantly before us. If we're not careful, just like I gave you the illustration tonight and started out with the illustration of H.J. Ironside, we, we cannot even do something to humble ourselves without lifting ourselves up in pride and saying, look at what I've done. I'll be honest with you. I, I, am, I am humbled to be able to stand before you and proclaim the Word of God. But how many times will we walk away from that and say, man, I did a good job tonight, didn't I? What, what are we saying? I'm saying, how many times have we, how many times have we witnessed to a person one-on-one and we told them about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and as soon as we walk away, we're lifted up and saying, God, see what I did? Were you watching when I was a witness to that person? And I know, <laughs> I know everybody's looking at me kind of strange tonight, but we're all the same way. Right. Right. I, I mean, do we not do that? Is that not something that creeps up with inside of us? That, that we think that because we have done something, that we have accomplished something, when we understand that there's nothing that is accomplished in our life, that if it, it, there's nothing that is accomplished that is not accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the faith that He displays in our life. I said it was an insidious danger. That word insidious means waiting for a chance to entrap. It means treacherous. It means harmful and enticing. It means seductive. That's what spiritual pride does to us. That is the reason. If you go over to the book of Proverbs, what did God say about pride? That's one of the seven things God hates. God I'm talking about the God, the creator of the universe said there are six things that I hate, yea, seven are abomination, and one of those is pride. And yet we get lifted up in spiritual pride. And that's what Paul's warning them against. 
He's using this illustration of the olive tree. He's talking about, listen, the Gentiles had gotten to the point that they were looking around and saying, it was almost like pointing a finger and saying, y'all got cut off, but we got grafted in. Paul was saying, be careful because God might cut you off and graft them back in. What Paul was trying to get them to understand is they have nothing to boast in. It is all the Lord Jesus Christ. It is all of God. To be honest with you, may I just put it this way, it is all of God or it is not at all. God. It is His faith. It is His grace. It is His maintaining. It is His. It is He that has allowed us to have access before God, but it is He that will finish the work. Yes. That's the reason the Apostle Paul said, I know that He which hath begun a good work in me will also perform it unto the day of redemption. It is not I that maintain that. God maintains it. We should fear because we are so prone to compare ourselves to others rather than compare ourselves to God. If we would get our comparison on the right level, we wouldn't have a problem with pride. We look around and we find somebody else. Do we not do that all the time? I'm not as big as they are. I don't weigh as much as they do. I'm not as ugly as they are. I haven't lost as much hair as they have. We, we, we do all of that. We compare ourselves to everybody else and we do that spiritually also. We look around and we, we look around because we have something doctrinally correct. We look around and we say, oh, they don't have it correct doctrinally. And we begin to point a finger. When we have no place for spiritual pride in our life, if we have something correct doctrinally, it is because God allowed us to understand it correctly. It is not because you and I became so wise that we could cipher and decipher the Word of God. It is because God allowed us to see from His Word those things. So understanding that it is all of God. We should fear because we are prone to drift from justification by faith to justification by works. If You know where spiritual pride comes in? Spiritual pride comes in when we think that we can do something that will cause us to have a greater standing before God in the sanctification in our life. That's where most of our spiritual pride comes in. When we feel like that we have accomplished something, that we have attained something, that we have made it to this point, which causes us to be more sanctified than someone else. If God has you any further down the road than somebody else, it is because God got you there. It is not because you drove on your own. It is because God allowed you to see truths in the Word of God. And when we understand, it is because God revealed something in His Word that allowed us to see something that gets us a little further down the road than maybe someone that may be around us. When we see that in Scripture, it is not because you and I had some great understanding. It is because God revealed Himself to us in His Word. 
What I'm trying to say is the same thing the Apostle Paul was trying to tell the Gentiles. We have no room for spiritual pride. We have no room for spiritual pride. In conclusion this evening, Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way. The best correctiveness against pride is, you ready for the answer? The best way to correct pride in our life is to know God, to know His character, and to know the truth about God. When we do that, we're looking in the right direction. And we will not be lifted up in pride. We will not be lifted up in spiritual pride because we will recognize, and I've said it over and over again tonight, we will recognize that it is not us, but it is all of Him. It's none of us, but it's all of Him. There's the kindness and the tenderness and the love and the forgiveness of all the sins that make us the adopted of God. You and I are the adopted children of God the instant we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for that reason, you and I should guard ourselves against spiritual pride by remembering that salvation is by grace and by grace alone. And so, maintaining faith in Christ and fear before the God of kindness and severity. That will keep us where we need to be before God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.